NBC, the New Orleans podcast. I'm Richard Dubas, and I'm along with Lance Arnold. And uh, this week we're doing a special podcast on New Orleans' very own, we invented cocktails. Since we're doing cocktails, we have a little different angle of the bar because we have our favorite bartender here, Josh McKnight. Hi, how are everybody doing today? Yeah, it's, uh, and well, I've been knowing Josh for, geez, how long now? Um, almost 20 years, actually. 20 years, and he's been bartending most of those years. So, uh, and he makes you know, some of the best drinks I, I've, I've ever had. So, we're going to get started with uh, cocktails in a little bit, but first we have trivia. And this one is a little bit themed for the episode. Uh, so, the trivia question is where do cocktails get their name? Josh, do you know? Oh. Don't answer. Don't answer this year. <laughs> <laughs> some cocktails. Josh, what cocktail are we making today? Well, today we're going to make uh, the oldest American cocktail, and it's actually the official state drink of Louisiana, the Sazerac. And go ahead and get started with that. Uh, what's in it? Well, first of all, you got to have Sazerac rye whiskey. Any rye whiskey will work. You can use Old Older Holt if you like. That's another popular brand, but... Um, this but, is a local, right? Yeah, this is definitely local, and it's actually starting to become very... Uh, uh, prominent? Yeah, prominent uh, around the country. I was actually able to find a bottle of this in Seattle, Washington. And, and a oh. couple of years ago when I was in Seattle, I couldn't find it. Still can't find Herb Saint, but I found a Sazerac Rock. To be, to, be, to be totally honest, though, we knew that this was local because Richard's actually going to be a tour guide at the distillery that's about to tell us more about that, Joe. Yes, yeah, so there's going to be a distillery on Canal Street. It's going to be a more of a museum uh, distillery. And I'll be one of the tour guides. And it's opening October 2nd, I do believe. So I'll be able to help you out. Maybe you'll learn a little bit. I'll give an autograph or two if you're nice. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so we have Sazerac Rye. We have uh, Herb Saint. Uh, Herb Saint, which is a nice liqueur. Um, if you ever had a Sazerac, that licorice feel you get on the back end of your palate when you're having, having a Sazerac, that comes from this liqueur right here. It's actually not a lot to use in a cocktail. It's sure. just enough for a little bit of flavor. And you have your lemon twist, and we're going to use a little bit of simple syrup. Okay, and uh, and uh, I know through history that Sazerac was invented in New Orleans, and it's supposed to be the, the oldest known cocktail. But there's one other ingredient, right, that came from a pharmacy in the French Quarter, isn't there? Uh, yes, patient bitterness, actually. And that's something very prominent to the city of New Orleans. And... Some people like to add Angostura, myself included. Um, I like to add a couple of dash of Angostura to my Sazerac. I kind of like try to balance off sure. the bitters of a mm-hmm. patient, and the Angostura has got a little bit more of a herbaceous feel to it. Oh, so, well, this is just a home bar, so I don't have more than one type of bitter. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say this is a good drink for someone learning to make drinks or cocktails? Mm. People are very particular about their Sazeracs. Um, I've worked at a couple of restaurants, and they want a certain bartender to make it. Um, you can screw it up easily, and if you're not um, used to making them, if you haven't made them before, you don't want to be the person who ruins the Sazerac for the first time. Someone yeah. coming to New Orleans wanting a Sazerac, because you commonly get that in the French Quarter where people want to have a Sazerac. And, and to be completely honest, 
Sazerac is my favorite drink, and I knew that Josh was going to make a Sazerac because Josh makes the best Sazerac in town. I'm, at least according to me, but people have different tastes in Sazeracs and how they how they like it. I mean, and different bartenders make it a little bit differently. But I've had Sazeracs pretty much everywhere I go in New Orleans, and wherever Josh has worked, that's always where the best Sazerac is. So, uh, where are you right now? Um, right now, I'm bartending at the Napoleon House. So I'm doing a lot of parties upstairs, and I moonlight downstairs sometimes. So, if you see this man behind the bar at Napoleon House, order Sazerac or the second drink we're going to do later today. So, you have a lot to live up to, Josh. No, I haven't had one of the Sazeracs yet. So. <laughs> okay, so uh, we have all the ingredients uh, that, we're, that we're going to put into it. We have the Herb Saint, the Bitters, the Sazerac Rye, the uh, Simple Syrup, and... And you have to finish it off with a lemon twist, and that'll be the last thing we do. I'll we'll oh. show you a little technique with that. Something easy you can do at home. Easy to make a twist. It's not um, that hard. Let's watch Josh make the drink. Okay. Well, first of all, you want to start off with a rocks glass. Definitely a glass where you need to use. And you're going to want to take a little bit of ice. And ice down your glass. This is going to help with coating the herb sink on the glass. And it also helps keep the cocktail chill because there's no ice actually that's going to go directly into the cocktail. So why are you using a, why do you need this specific kind of glass? Well, you don't want to serve it in tall glass. It's such a shallow drink. Um, it's going to really just come up to about right here. It's going to look about, about a three-ounce pour drink, and it does look, look weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have our ice-down drink, and now we're going to do our Sazerac rye. Depending on how much you want, the standard pour will be about two ounces. So you're going to... Get your two-ounce pour, which is usually about six seconds. Next up, you're going to get simple syrup. You're going to want to put about a quarter ounce of simple syrup into the rye whiskey. What is, what is simple syrup? Where can you get that? Um, simple syrup is very easy. You can buy it at most uh, purveyors that sell alcohol supplies, or you could just do what I do, make it at home. Get some boiling hot water, add a lot of sugar to it, and just wait for the consistency to thicken up, and it's a lot easier and a lot cheaper that way. So we're going to do about a quarter ounce of simple syrup right there, and if you're a person who cares for a sweeter size rack, add a little bit more. If you don't like it too sweet, take a little bit out. Next up, we're going to do about six dashes of Pecho bitters. Like I said earlier, if you have ink a store, it's okay to throw about two or three dashes in that. You want a nice, like, bright red drink. After we cut all that, we're going to throw a little bit of ice in there. Get yourself a stir. You want to give it give a couple of stirs. In 1870, the primary ingredient changed from cognac to rye whiskey uh, because of an epidemic in Europe. Uh, have you tried it with the cognac instead of the rye whiskey? I've never tried it with cognac, um, but I've had requests for it before. Okay. And typically, those are more old school New Orleans people. <laughs> and you can tell. What's, what's the big difference between cognac and rye whiskey as in taste, maybe? Well, the rye is going to bring out a more sweeter taste to it rather than the cognac. So, now you have your ice down glass. Let's get rid of that ice. It's nice and cold. 
Then you're going to take some herb saint. That's this right here. Pour a little bit in there. Now, I'm not going to flip the glass and do all that fancy stuff that some people do, but what I like to do is I like to take the glass, turn it, and you're trying to get it to coat a lot of the glass. So the herb saint, is it... Liquidy? Is it oily? How's it coated? Yeah, it's, it's, it's liquidy, and it's not really going to stay that much. You're just, you're just trying to get a little bit of a finish. We're trying to have that flavor when you smell it as you're pulling it up to drink, and you just want to taste a little bit of that licorice flavor as you're mm. having the cocktail. So it seems like a lot of the Sazerac is like appeal, like how it looks and smells, yeah. then not as uh, also how it tastes, but it seems like that's a lot that goes into the drink. Yes. And then after that, you just want to get rid of that excess herb thing. And now what we're going to do is get a strainer. And you're going to strain that bad boy. Ooh, that is a pretty color. And that's about how high you want your side right to put on the glass square, but you almost want it to be about two fingers. Two fingers, yeah. And the last bit of detail, most important, is your lemon twist. When it comes to a twist, you don't want too much of the pith. The pith is actually really bitter. Mm -hmm. And what you're trying to get out of this is that you're trying to get the oils. So you're going to give it a nice little twist like that over the Sazerac. So it's going to put that oil finish on top. And you're going to give it a good rim on it. And drop it in. And there you go. Yeah, it really has a nice lemon smell. Yeah, and well, I mean, Sazerac's my favorite drink, and, and I love it, but you haven't had one before, and I, I'm glad that your first one ever is going to be, well, one of the best that you have in town. I feel like I'm becoming a true New Orleanian right now. Ooh, that is yeah, really I'll, good. I'll take some. <laughs> <laughs> That is really good. It's a lot sweeter than I thought it would be, but it's not too sweet. Yeah, what I really like about Sazerac compared to other drinks, because we've done beers so far. It's all we've done so far. And some beers were heavier, and you can't really just down them. They're not meant to be down. But some of the beer companies said our beers are crushable, you know, and that you should just drink them or shotgun them. You know, like Josh and I used to shotgun yeah. beers together, but we're much older. <laughs> we're much better now. But this is like... I would think the cocktail is to what beer is is, is like art or, or like McDonald's is to Cape Halls or, or the best restaurants. It's it's not meant to be chugged, right, Josh? Yeah, and it's like most people that come to town, if they've never had a Sazerac before, one of the first things I tell them that this is a sipping cocktail. And you want to actually sit down and enjoy it. It's not like having a vodka soda. You want to actually enjoy the cocktail. Sure. Yeah, you want to sit there and appreciate it and, and taste it. It's not like you, know, you go to a museum and you you, know, you appreciate the art. You yeah. sit there and look at it for a second. I mean, I'm not going to shotgun or chug the Mona Lisa. You know, I'm going <laughs> to sit there. I'm going to savor her. Yeah. And I'm, that's what I'm going to do with this. It's, 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 it's beautiful. It's like a work of art, just like a great chef, a great bartender. You're an artist, Josh. Oh, thank yeah. you so much. It's a good drink if nice you're on <laughs> Yeah, it's a good drink if you're on a date or you're trying to impress someone, too, because you can sip it and not get drunk too fast. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're going to come back and do another drink later. And But next we have... The news. The news.
so this is the news, and our news is themed around cocktails and drinking. Yes, uh, recently a lot of news outlets here in New Orleans grabbed onto this story about Saints fans being the biggest drinkers on game day, that we drink more than any other... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're number one. <laughs> but uh, and that's the exact way that all our media outlets looked at. It's like, yes, we're number one. We drink more than anybody else. You know, hold your heads high, Saints fans. Yeah. But what they don't tell you is that the article and the research wasn't done to show who's the best alcoholics in the NFL. It was meant to you know on the other side. It was put out by Alcohol.org, and they want to promote responsible drinking and <laughs> and less drinking. You know, not no drinking, but. No, less drinking. It's, so it was like bragging that we broke the record for throwing the most interceptions. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> you know, if that's something you get excited about. <laughs> so, uh, man, I'm not saying no. It's not something. I mean, New Orleans, we're, we're known to be partying. We're like, yes, we're the best at partying. Yeah. So, but the point of this article was drinking in moderation is acceptable, but alcohol use in excess can become a dangerous habit. A weekly schedule of NFL games can create an unhealthy habit of regular heavy drinking. With that in mind, they decided to find out which team's fans drink the most and least on both game days and non-game days. That's what they they were looking for. And and what they found there is that, okay, we are number one. We drink 4.5 drinks average on game day. We tied with the Oakland Raiders. The they difference can't is, use a drink. Yeah, the difference is we drink to celebrate, they drink to commiserate. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, it's different. And I will say this, though. Anybody who likes drinking out there, you should really only drink if drinking makes you happier or nicer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, I want the angry drunk. <laughs> you don't want to be that angry drunk or, or you know. Or sad drunk. Yeah. yeah so, so, so Don't bring up the wheat beef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing better than a happy drunk. You know? yeah. Just, yeah. They're fun to be around. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we are in New Orleans. I'd say New Orleans, we're the happy drunks and, 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 and the poor, you know, people in Oakland, you know, they're... No, they're a little angry. Yeah. <laughs> so, I've never been to one of the games. But you know what? Oakland mind. will not be on the list next year. Yeah, be Vegas. Nevada, yeah. yeah, Vegas will be on the list next oh, year. Oh, they definitely might beat us then. So, on a normal day... <laughs> they have a two-drink minimum. <laughs> so, on a normal day, they're average about four drinks, and on game day, they're average at 4.5. Yeah, the Oakland. Yeah. Uh, Oakland people. So. And then Saints are average... Three on a normal day, but we go up to a 4.5 on game day. Yeah, and the research shows that we, you know, are moderate drinkers most of the time, but when it comes to partying, we just ramp it up, you know, higher than anybody else. And so so if we're drinking 4.5 drinks and Oakland's drinking 4.5 drinks, so that puts us pretty much even, right? So how many, how much does that increase when they throw a flag or yeah. when the refs <laughs> make a bad call? I don't think it increases at all because we throw our drinks <laughs> out the ref. So what Josh, you were about to say? Yeah. Um, Actually, we're actually probably more so in the lead because if you go anywhere else in the country, their standard pour is going to be 1.5. Anywhere in the greater New Orleans area, Metairie, whatever, it be it's going to be about two ounce pour. And I know for a fact that if I go out of town, I'm a little disappointed in my pour. They make I, some weak ass drinks. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm like, well, that's a lot for a little, a, a little, but yeah. you know, you have to accept and. Do as when in Rome. <laughs> so that's the science why I'm disappointed when I leave New Orleans. But if you talk about a drink like this right here, I mean, you talk about our drink. I mean, I'm sure in Oakland they're drinking a, a malt liquor or something. So, <laughs> so, so oh, we're, drinking, we're drinking Sazeracs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, how much alcohol is in this? It's I mean, about about two, two to two and a half. 
Okay. Also in there. Okay, let's just say we're going to step up our game and we're going to drink hand grenades game day. And I drank four hand grenades, 4.5 hand grenades game day. How much do you think's in a hand grenade? Well, that's a lot. And I'm pretty sure that you'll be out by the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you exactly how much alcohol is in a hand grenade later in the show. So I'm kind of surprised that like states like Wisconsin with the Green Bay fans, I think they would drink more. Uh, and I thought so, too, because I've read research recently that they said they, they put out the top 20 cities in the United States per capita of alcoholics. And Green Bay had, must have like 17 or 18 of the top 20 cities. So, yes, I, I figured that also. But really, they're 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 further down. They're drinking 4.0, where we're both at 4.5. So there's a lot of you know people between us and Green Bay. Maybe they just can't handle their alcohol, or it's too cold Wisconsin. to drink. Yeah, no, <laughs> maybe they're actually the one place for liquor capris. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and we are throwing shade. We're just joking about Green Bay and, and Oakland and you know malt yeah. liquor and them not holding their alcohol. <laughs> but uh, one thing that did surprise me that the Indianapolis Colts fans actually decrease on game day. Figure why? Why would they do that? I mean, I know losing your starting quarterback because he retired is a sobering thing, so maybe you'd stop drinking because of that. But you know, what they went from two point five drinks to two point on game day. Uh, do they have laws on Sunday? And that's probably mostly their owner. That's, <laughs> that's yeah, Jim Irsay. There's always that one guy. I drink. I drink that much too. If I drank for free at the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the kind of drinks that people are drinking during game days? Uh, the research showed, and this is just for New Orleans, that 31 percent of the drinks that we drink here in New Orleans are hard liquor or. Cocktails, yeah, you know, so because we're a cocktail city, then I think it's about twenty four percent is uh, craft beers, which we have a lot of craft. You, you watch our show, you listen to our show, you know that we have a lot of craft beers that uh, we drink here. Actually, it's twenty eight percent for local craft beers. Okay, I'm gonna get my numbers right. And in uh, the lowest of the alcoholic drinks that we drink is three percent on game day. People drink wine. I'm not sure why that is. Yeah, uh, wine and football doesn't seem to pair well. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't pair well. Yeah. Maybe in Green Bay, when they have a nice selection of cheese up there, yeah. they might go for the wine. Well, and, <laughs> and, and also, <laughs> maybe other stadiums serve wine in actual glasses, not in a little tiny bottle, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so... Uh, but no, because we have cocktails, and we have the best bartenders in the world, so why would you drink a wine when you can have a delicious piece of art? Definitely. Yes. <laughs> I can make yeah. a good T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, that's a good idea. We're compliment that. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, we are proud of our I guess our drinking heritage, our cocktails. It's part of our history. Drinking in New Orleans, you know, and I guess you know parts of that is something to celebrate as long as you do it responsibly. Another point that this. Uh, this website made was saying that, and they also show this in their research, that 25% of those NFL fans who drink on game day have no problem getting behind the wheel after they have those drinks. So, and and that's just, that, that's just wrong. You just celebrate, but be responsible. And that's what this website, even though the local media didn't cover the responsibility part of it, that's what the website wants to tell you is, you know, enjoy your drinking, drink in moderation, 
But don't drink and drive either. Yeah. This day and age, you have Uber and Lyft. There's no excuse yeah. that you should be driving intoxicated. Yeah, it's too easy to get home or get someplace safe nowadays without getting behind the wheel. Yeah. And if you ever wait for a ride, go do fun stuff in the city. I mean, the Superdome's in the middle of the city. There's plenty of fun yeah. stuff to do while you wait for your ride. It doesn't matter if it's a night game because there's always things to do. Yeah. yeah. And we're the city that truly never sleeps, so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, that's it for that part, so we get to have another drink. time for our second cocktail. What are you making for us today? Um, actually, right now we're going to have a Pimm's Cup, which is a great summertime drink. And since summer has definitely had kept its grass in New Orleans, be perfect drink for right now. All right. All Let's right. So you make so, it. Well, tell us what's in the Pimm's Cup. Well, first of all, you have Pimm's liqueur, which is a gin-based liqueur out of London. Lemonade, if you can make your own lemonade or just buy the store bottle stuff, and we're gonna top it off a little bit of Sprite and a garnish of a sliced cucumber. So you said that uh, Pims is a London liqueur. Did it start out in London, or um, was it started here? It was actually started in London. Um, it became famous at the Napoleon House, located in the French Quarter on St. Louis and Charter Street. So I assume the drink got its name from the gin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, let's start making okay. it. Okay. First of all, it's really simple, easy drink to make. You're going to start off with the Pimm's liqueur. You want to get about a two-ounce pour in there. And what's the count on that one? About six seconds, six, six to seven seconds. seconds. Okay. It's going to be all about your color. So in other cities, that'd be a 1.6. Yeah. Pour <laughs> How many seconds is 1.5? That would okay. be about a four-second pour. Oh, I thought you did that math in your head. <laughs> it's pretty simple. All right, and then next you're just going to grab your lemonade, and what you're going to want to do is put equal parts in there. So it's going to be at about the same measurement you had of the pimps, of course, so you're looking for about another two ounces in there. So that's the New Orleans twist is the adding of the lemonade. Yes. Because at one point they had six different variations, right? And there's still a lot of different variations. Some people like to use uh, sour mix. Some people like to use, um, instead of Sprite, some people like to use ginger ale. I actually do prefer it with ginger ale on top. And next, you're going to want to ice down your drink. A little ice going over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. My bar doesn't have crushed ice. <laughs> and if you come down to the point house, you'll witness us go through on a busy shift about 10 bottles of Pims. So this is a very popular drink. Extremely popular drink. I, I see it in my sleep. <laughs> All right, so you got that ice down. Then what you're going to do is take the Sprite. You're just going to get a little splash on top. So what is the Sprite for? Is that flavor or just... It has a little bit of flavor, and you're getting a little fizz into the drink, too, as well. Last but not least, just for the garnish, and I will say a... Cucumber soaked in Pims is actually quite tasty. And for these, we're going to do a little half cucumber. I'm just going to garnish with a half cucumber. Stick a little swizzle in there. And that's your Pims cup. Yeah, so these look, you know, one thing I do like about cocktails is it's always about presentation. Like, this looks like a really delightful drink. It's yeah, and uh, I've never had one before of you. I've never had one either. So, uh, 
But I'm, I'm a little apprehensive. I've never been a big gin drinker. I don't like cucumbers. Uh, <laughs> so so um, I just I burp cucumbers for weeks. And I just always taste it. I just don't like cucumbers. But I'm going to try it because, you know, it's the show. There we go. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. And one of the things about it being a gin drink, the gin is so subtle in there that you can barely taste it. You yeah. wouldn't even know it if I didn't tell you. And that's why I, sometimes I don't even like to tell people that it's gin. I'm one of those people that can't drink gin because I've had one bad night with it and I can't ever touch it again. So that doesn't bother me because I can't taste the gin in it. Yeah, you cannot taste... I can't taste any alcohol mm-hmm. as <laughs> I'm he's almost, downing the gin. I'm almost <laughs> halfway through it and it's... You know, I like it. It's, it's, it's a good drink. Uh, it's... But, but I mean, what I was reading is that this isn't really a very strong drink. I mean, I know there's a lot of drinks in the French Quarter that hide their flavor with a lot of sugar and things yeah, like that. Yeah, that's not a strong it's, drink. This isn't, this isn't going to, like, I'm going to drink one and not realize, realize that I'm going to yeah, be really But if you up. drink 10, you're going to not feel good in the morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of sugar okay. to have in one, one sitting. But, yeah, it's not a strong drink at all. Yeah, it's not, it's, but it's, it's not as sugary as a hurricane. No, or, no, not or, even. Yeah, so. Oh, this is really refreshing. Yes. Yes, this is. So I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, so, I feel like I'm getting enjoy. baptized in fire with all these drinks today. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers! We gotta go to entertainment next. Entertainment. And now this is entertainment, and entertainment is about what our whole show's about today: cocktails and drinks. Yeah, so what we're going to do uh, right now is we, we uh, along with the people at Where You At, uh, we took some information from their website, and I'll put the link on our website. But uh, we came up with the five famous New Orleans drinks and five infamous New Orleans drinks. Not that they're bad drinks, they're just... You just might have an unpleasant story with the drinks. <laughs> yes, and that's, that, that's the ones that we came up with a lot on that list because we have these unpleasant stories. But let's start with the famous drinks first. The first famous drink is the Brandy Milk Punch. You ever made a Brandy Milk uh, Punch? Yeah, for a lot of Sunday brunches and definitely a popular New Orleans drink. Yeah, it's an old, old drink. I don't even know if it started in New Orleans, but it was made popular for brunches. Yeah. It started in colonial days, and actually they say that it was Ben Franklin's favorite drink. It's actually so, a quite tasty cocktail. Uh, and I'm not a brandy drinker. I read that it's similar to eggnog. I never had one. Would you find that? I, I would. Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, and um, especially with the nutmeg gar- garnish on top. It yeah, that's the eggnog. And, and that's what I was reading also. And I wouldn't mind trying one one day. Maybe I'll try one at a brunch instead of champagne because I'm off champagne. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a bad experience at a brunch with champagne. Kelly, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Celebrating too much over here. Uh, but uh, they have brandy, cream, or milk. Uh, vanilla, simple syrup, and nutmeg on top. Is that how you make yours? Yep. That's um, typically, that's what you use. And if you want to make it uh, what we call a freeze, um, you add a scoop of ice cream in there, Ooh. vanilla bean ice cream. And that's the way I prefer to do mine. I'd want to, if I have a scoop of ice cream in there, I want a little more alcohol, too, though, yeah. just to balance out the non-alcohol. <laughs> I actually had um, one of my brandy milk punches was on the Cafe B menu. Uh, mine consisted of uh, brandy... Uh, a little bit of amaretto, frangelico, which is a hazelnut liqueur. Oh, yeah, I love it. Um, 
um, a scoop of ice cream, a little vanilla extract, simple syrup, and brandy and heavy whipping cream. And uh, shouldn't we name that the Josh? It was actually <laughs> called a Josh Brandy Milk Punch on the menu, and I cursed myself for making that drink because when it was coming through in the service bar when we were busy, I hated my life. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it just too many ingredients? Too it was so many that you had to run it and you had to run it and get this from the kitchen. It was it was a lot that went into it, but I was actually pretty honored that they put it on the menu and it had my name on it. Talking about difficult drinks, what about the was it the Ramon Ramon's uh, Ramon, uh, Gin Fizz. Ramon's yeah. Gin Fizz. I was reading that that bartenders hate that. And that's yeah. number three on our list. That's number three and I'll come back to number two, but since you're talking about pain in the butt drinks to make. Yeah, don't come into a restaurant and please order that on a Friday night in a busy rush because you're just putting everybody's drinks going last. Or tip very well. Yeah. <laughs> order that drink, at least take care how of the it, How long does it take to make? Well, one of the most uh, long parts on the, on the cocktail is actually you have to shake the egg white vigorously for about 30 seconds. And I'm talking about like enough shake to work. Is egg white in it? Yeah, it's egg white. And you're going to get that egg white to look like a meringue pretty much after you're done shaking it. Oh. So yeah, you have to froth it up that much with fire yeah. water. Yeah, shake it like Homer shaking yeah, parts. When I make a gin fizz, and I, I, I do a count when I make a gin fizz, I actually count slowly to 30 while I'm shaking because you want that egg white to literally want to froth. And if you don't make it froth, the cocktail is not going to be worth anything. And yeah, it, it's a long... It's, How many ingredients are in it? Um, well, you have the orange flower water, you have a little bit of lime juice, soda, gin, orange flower water, and, um, yeah, and a raw egg white. <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, I, I pulled it up. It says lemon juice, lime juice, cream, gin, simple syrup, the white of a single egg, orange flower water, and club soda. So yeah. I can't make that here because I don't have orange flower water. <laughs> I got egg whites in the kitchen. Yeah. That's orange flower water. Well, let's go in the garden and get some flowers and mix. <laughs> is that what orange flower water <laughs> is? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so uh, do your bartenders a favor and order it only on a slow night. Or, like, literally, if it came through on the Tuesday, the last restaurant I was at, it came through on the Tuesday lunch and I wasn't busy. I, I had fun making them. I like, and I actually will go to the table and say, how did you like your gin fizz? Because it's one of those cocktails, like the Sazerac, you kind of take pride in what you make. Um, now, if it comes through on a busy night when I'm getting slammed, it's like, I want to find that person and I want to personally bring them their drink. <laughs> I hope you're happy. You know? yeah. well, are they, I mean, most people, is it a delicious drink? It I is a good it. drink. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of raw egg whites, but I've tasted a couple of the mm. gin fizzes I've made myself personally, and I, I can actually drink one. <laughs> Maybe one, <laughs> one once a year. That's a little too much yeah. for me. So uh, the number two one, which actually dates back at least to World War One, can't be earlier than that because it's named after a gun or something uh, from World War One, is the uh, French seventy five. Yeah, that's a very uh, popular New Orleans. It is. Uh, yeah, and you that one right there, you can do that with gin or cognac, and that's what I always ask people when they order a French seventy five at the bar. I'm like, do you want cognac or do you want gin? So that's similar to the Sazerac. Yeah. yeah, it seems like a lot of drinks do have those cognac. No, you go some places, they look at you like you're crazy if you say gin. You know, like but in New Orleans, especially in, in, in Southeast Louisiana, a lot of people like theirs with gin. Some people like theirs with cognac. And what, what else do you have in uh, Well, first 35, you're going to kind of do the same technique like you do with the Herb Saint with the Sazerac. You're going to coat the glass this time with lemon juice. You're going to fill that glass with champagne about three-fourths of the way, and then you're going to do about a quarter-ounce pour of either gin or cognac, a little bit of simple syrup, and you're going to garnish it off with a lemon twist with the same twisting method that we use for the Sazerac. 
All right, so number four is the drink we had earlier today, the Sazerac. Yep. So, um, there's nothing else to say about that, I guess, right now. Just go rewatch. Just go rewind. Yes. And, 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 and number five uh, is the Vucare. So, uh, what do you know about the Vucare, Josh? You make uh, a lot of those? No, I'm not very familiar with the Vucare. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what I'm I talking about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why you have Google. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but anyway, with Vucare, what I read about it was it's, it's, it's a hodgepodge of New Orleans. That they just seem to take a little bit of different heritages in New Orleans and threw it all into a drink and named it the Vucare. And uh, what I saw that there's cognac or Benedictine to symbolize the founding French fathers, a sweet vermouth to represent the Italians, rye for the early Americans. And then uh, Angostura bitters or Peixal's bitters to represent the African and the Creole part of it. So that, that's all the ingredients ingredients for that. And you get that was invented at the Hotel Montleon. So the carousel bar is probably the best place to get that. Yeah. But yeah. given all the heritage that they talk about in there, did you notice that there's one of them missing? The, the Spanish. <laughs> like, we got the French, we got the Americans, we got the Italians, you know, we have the Africans, and we have, you know, the uh, the, the Creole in there. But the, the Spanish, I like, throw a jalapeno in there. Well, maybe Josh, that could be your next drink. The next well, Josh drink. Throw a little Hispanic. The real Vucare. Josh Vucare. Josh Vucare. So... Which which would you replace to maybe put this drink on, or do you think that this drink shouldn't be on the top five? Mm, I wouldn't say that this drink should be on the top five. I mean, okay, right? no, I'm talking about the oh. tennis cup. Um, no, I don't think it should be a top five drink. I mean, it's really something that you pretty much drink seasonally, and it's like you said, it's a refreshing cocktail. Yeah. You want to drink it when it's warmer. A lot of other cocktails, they're good cocktails to have at any time of year. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to get to our infamous drinks. What does that mean? Infamous. Oh, Dusty. <laughs> infamous is, is when you're more than famous. Alright, so on this segment, this is where we talk about drinks that are famous, but maybe not for the right reasons. <laughs> or, or, or you really gotta watch yourself. Yeah. Uh, some of them are real tourist trap drinks, some of them aren't, but uh, some of them maybe I just had a bad experience with myself, and I'm just warning you, don't drink it when you're 15 years old, stumbling around the French Quarter. And <laughs> Yeah, so, so uh, the first one we have is everybody loves, or at least knows about, the Pat O'Brien's Hurricane. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, you, you get hurricanes anywhere. It was invented at Pat O'Brien's by Pat O'Brien uh, and some other person. I forget who it was. But anyway, so they invented the hurricane. And the hurricane I just find is just really, really sweet. I can't drink too much sugar, mm-hmm. you know, for, for me in a drink. What's in the hurricane, Josh? Ooh. <laughs> Rum. <laughs> Rum and hurricane mix. <laughs> Rum. Um, actually, hurricanes are pretty easy to make. You can make that at home. Yeah. It's uh, light and dark rum, a um, little bit of pineapple juice, uh, orange juice, and grenadine is what's actually going to give it its color. Okay. And some people, like the restaurants I've worked at before, we like to float it off with a little bit of 151. Sure. And just get a nice orange and cherry garnish. But it's pretty simple to make. I mean, anybody can make a hurricane. Hurricane's always red because I saw some online that were different colors. Yeah, and those aren't from here. Somebody's like playing around, but yeah, the grenadine is what, what's going to give it that color, that Kool-Aid-ish sure. red color. Okay. So uh, that was number one. Uh, so the next one, I'll let Richard introduce. We, we all have nightmares with this one. Oh, Richard, yeah. Richard, <laughs> Richard doesn't have nightmares because he doesn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> 
This one is the hand grenade, and it's very popular in New Orleans. It's very touristy drink because also to the cups at the little yes, hand grenade, the little hand grenade along stem. My girlfriend and I, we do drink. We're we're pretty good drinkers, uh, but we shared one, and it hit us like a freight train. I was like, oh my god, I am drunk, and then I don't remember after coming to that realization. Yeah, <laughs> and the hand grenade you get at Tropical Isle and a few other places that the people from Tropical Isle own. I, I don't yeah. recall right now what those places are, and they guard the secret the recipe, recipe to yeah. this, but I did you know, find a recipe online for the hand grenade. I could not believe it. Do you want me to read this out for yeah, you? Yeah, well, let's try to do the math so we can see, because we were saying there's two, two ounces in, in a drink, okay? So, uh, go ahead. Tell me what's in this. Alright, so excuse my piece of paper, but uh, one and a half ounces of gin, Okay. one and a half ounces of grain alcohol, one and a half ounces of melon liqueur, one and a half ounces of vodka, and one and a half ounces of rum. How much does that make? Uh, eight. <laughs> it's eight ounces. Is that eight ounces of alcohol? No, it's seven and a half. Seven and a half. Well, pretty good. Pretty good. That's close. Pretty good mapping here. So, fractions. anyway, I was counting fractions on my fingers. <laughs> so, but, no, that's a lot of alcohol. So, what I'm saying that New Orleanians might drink four and a half drinks a game. If four and a half drinks are a hand grenade... Sorry, Oakland. Yeah, no, I can tell you <laughs> something about the hand grenade. The last time I had one was when I was 21 years old. I was on Bourbon Street with a friend. Yes. And we had a hand grenade and a um, hurricane, both of us a piece in the same night. It was the worst feeling I've ever had in my life. <laughs> and, so and, don't ever mix those two. Like, so really. why is sugar, why does that make a hangover worse? Just real quick. It's about the dehydration. The sugar's going to dehydrate you faster, and alcohol's already dehydrating you at the same time, so you're just getting hit with a double whammy, basically. That's why I, when people drink rum and coke, I'm like, God, you're just going to have a bad morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, both of those drinks are tourist track drinks. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't drink a hand grenade if you know it's good for you ever. Uh, it's just it's just not a good drink. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, but if you really want one of those hand grenade, you know, collector's things that they sell them in, Bourbon Street's littered in them. Yeah. <laughs> I actually just saw one walking down Charter School to my yeah, car. Yeah, yeah. Just tonight. bring a Walmart bag with you to pick it up and wash it off when you get home. And, and actually, the funniest part about that is that the hand grenade was on the sidewalk and the guy was, like, laying down next to it, completely passed out. <laughs> and I was like, and I literally saw that just walking home from work today, and I was like... Lord, he had a bad night. He's going to have a worse morning. Anybody yeah. with a hand grenade in their hand had a bad night. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what, what, what's the next one on our list? Uh, frozen daiquiris. Yeah, that's just... If you're on a date, you got a girl with it, yes, you can get a frozen daiquiri. Uh, you know, if it's a group of guys walking down the street... Don't get a frozen daiquiri. No. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. I will say I'm guilty for wanting one daiquiri a year. I'm um, right. actually due to have one this year. When it gets really hot, I want just one. And then, I mean, it's not a large daiquiri. It's a small daiquiri. Just sure. something to sip on and sit outside, and, and then I'm good. To me, it's, just, it's, it's like the hurricane. It's just too sweet. Yeah, yeah. It's like I only can handle a little one. Yeah, I can't handle that much sugar. That's that's why I prefer the cocktails. Yeah. Right? And we are famous for having drive through daiquiris. Yes, and that's one thing I do. Whenever somebody comes to town, I pick them up at the airport, they haven't been to New Orleans before, I like to stop off in Kenner and Metairie and go through a drive through daiquiri. Yeah. And they're like, what? Huh? What? Yeah. And I was like, 
I didn't put the straw in. Yeah, that's what I always tell people. It's okay if you don't put the straw in. That's why it's not considered drinking. Yeah, it's, it's not okay. <laughs> I mean, we're the Gold Cup state. <laughs> but there's, I mean, there's lots of flavors of daiquiris, but you know, it's they're just too sweet for me. And uh, this one's number nine. This one I have not had is the monsoon. Uh, monsoon. That's one I put on the list. Uh, <laughs> monsoon from Portocal, and and it's really on, it's on the corner of Dolphin and. Um, uh, Esplanade, okay. yeah, that, that's where the, that's where Portocal is. Great hamburgers, great steaks there, but the monsoon is something else. When I was you know in high school and we used to you know drink around French Grove, couldn't get into a lot of the bars, but they'd sell you a monsoon at Portocal. So we'd start on that way end of the French Quarter. We'd each buy a monsoon and make our way down. And once we got down to the you know like Casmian and Pat O'Brien's part of the French Quarter, you were lit. <laughs> you were lit. It's a, it's a big cup. It's got a, this is what it has into it. It says actually that it was an old recipe used frequently as a last request by pirates pirates condemned to walk the plank. So <laughs> so this is people about to die. So you know, <laughs> I'll take one now. Uh, it's uh, three fourths ounce of dark rum, one and a, four, a quarter ounce of light rum, one ounce of pineapple juice, one ounce of passion fruit juice, four ounces of sweet and sour mix, and you pour all the ingredients in the glass except for the Myers dark rum, which you uh, make make it all, and then you put the Myers dark rum on top, and then you yeah, mix a little it. Myers dark rum float. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you mix it a little bit. Uh, but I'm telling you, actually, it's not a bad drink, but it's still one of those really, really sweet drinks. Yeah. yeah. In high school, I didn't, I didn't care. And I, I think we were back where, there. Where, where, <laughs> the age between 18 and 21 was actually those ages where I had rum and cokes and a lot of sweeter drinks. And then it's like yeah. after 21, I just couldn't drink them anymore. Yeah. Do yourself a favor and go get a nicer cocktail. Yeah, yeah. If, if you can grow up and have a cocktail. Yeah. So I got to get off the taco and move to Tito's. So. <laughs> yes. And this this next one, uh, you know very well. I know very well. Actually, all of us have had experiences with this next one. And I have it on the infamous list just because I've been around it since uh, the late 80s, pretty much. Uh, and yes, and I think all of us may have a, a story about drinking one of these. And this was made famous at the Goldmine Saloon on the corner of St. Peter Dauphine, 701 Dauphine. And it was invented there by the uh, owner's son, David. Uh, this is the Flaming Dr. Pepper. You may have had Flaming Dr. Peppers other places, but this is where it started. And they still light them on fire. Now, uh, I can tell you what's in the Flaming Dr. Pepper, but I haven't made nearly as much as Josh. What's in it? Flaming Dr. Pepper is going to be, uh, I'd say, about a half cup of beer. Um, you have a little bit of amaretto, and what you're going to do is uh, top it off with a little bit of Everclear. The Everclear is going to go on top of the amaretto shot. You like the amaretto shot on fire? And drop it into the beer, and it actually really does taste like a Dr. Pepper. I was amazed yes, the first one I ever had. Yeah. It tasted like a Dr. Pepper. Yeah, it, t- it tastes like a flat Dr. Pepper. Yeah. But yeah, it does taste like that. But be clear that we st- at the gold mine, we spell it D- Dr. P E P P A R. So, yeah, you know, so, 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 so no legal you know, ramifications here. So there's no Dr. Pepper at all on the drink. No, there's no Dr. Pepper. It's beer, amaretta, and some uh, flammable liquid. Yeah, it can be know. 151. Some places do 151 rum. I remember yeah. the gold mine. It was all ever clear on top. And I lost a lot of hairs in my arm and a couple eyelashes, too. Yeah, yeah, so I think you fire. drop it. But, but how do you drink it? Uh, you gotta, yeah, that's when you got to slug down. Yeah, you got to <laughs> slug You can't just sit up there and like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this cocktail. Like, no, it's not going to taste good after. 
after a while. Would, would that be considered a cocktail? A, hi, a highball? Or, no, or, I wouldn't consider that a cocktail. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a drink. I would consider that you're going to have a bad night. <laughs> so it's like finger painting to yeah. art. It's like, it kind of is, yeah. but maybe technical, but not really. It's, it's a fun time. But I will say it's it not as time. sweet. It's not no, a sweet. Not I'm not getting sick off of that like I'm getting sick off of a hurricane. I'm not getting sick off of that. Well, I'm okay. I'm getting sick differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I would suggest, you know, come in town, do one Dr. Pepper. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's no, a good everybody bar. needs to try it once. Yeah, do, do, do one. It's really good to, like, start your night there, get it going, and then going out. Yeah, if you're there at 2 in the morning doing flame with Dr. Peppers and you've been drinking all night, you're not going to have a good morning. I remember, <laughs> I remember one night doing six Dr. Peppers. They told me I did ten that night. I only remember six. <laughs> I have slept in the shower after. <laughs> yes. And I have thrown up on St. Peter at some point. <laughs> yes. All because of the flaming Dr. Pepper. Yeah. So uh, so what do you think of our list, Josh? I'd say it's a pretty accurate list. That's a job well done. <laughs> Bringing back a lot of bad memories. <laughs> you got PTSD from yeah. uh, the French Quarter. Uh, but it looks like... Uh, you know we're 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 done with the show. That's that's all we got. Yeah, right? this has been a really yes. insightful There's show. Nothing else to do, right? <laughs> we're done with the show. Oh, oh wait, no. isn't there something else we were supposed to do? Yeah. Uh. Josh doesn't know. So this is the part that a lot of y'all have been waiting for. Uh, this is the trivia answer. Yes, and the, the, the question was, where did the term cocktail originate? Do you have any idea, Josh? I'm um, going to take a wild guess and say that it's New Orleans. Um, and that is part of the answer. There is some argument on where it started, and I'll give the, the other side of the argument, which I don't buy because it has something, it has nothing to do with, with uh, you know, roosters or, 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 you know, anything like that. They say that it may have started with horses, in that in the old days, they used to cut or, 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 or cock the, the horse's tail for horses that were mixed bred horses, and they're saying that there's a jump from that to cocktails. So because cocktails aren't a pure spirit because they're mixing the spirits. Okay. And so they called it a cocked tail like a horse's tail was cocked. Okay. So there's some you know, there's a camp that says that that's what it was. Uh, the other side comes from the Sazerac mm-hmm. uh, because Sazerac was served in a, what they call an egg cup or egg cup. You know about those? those no, I've seen them before. Yeah, the egg cups. And, you know, this is, I got a lot of this stuff off chowhound.com, but uh, what they're saying is that the egg cup in French was uh, called, hold on, I need to look down to read this, uh, uh, was called a cocketeer, something, something like that in, in French, I don't speak French, uh, named after the type of cup that it was put in, and then, you know, uh, when it came to New Orleans, you know, they started calling it a cocktail, and then eventually it evolved into a cocktail. Okay. Is, is, is where, where they say that that came from. So, we'll accept either answer. We'll accept horse's ass, oh. or, <laughs> or we'll accept the right answer, and it comes from, you know, the beginnings of the Sazerac being served in an egg cup, and the French word being bastardized, by the way, we talk down here by saying things like Burgundy and, yeah. and Chirpsichor. Yeah, the horse one seems Calum. a little bit of a leap Calum. for me. What's that? The horse is kind of a little bit of a leap for me. Yeah, uh, so we're going to stick with it, that cocktails were invented in New Orleans. It's a New Orleans thing. We're going to claim it. We're going to celebrate it. Uh, drink responsibly, but but drink. 
Yeah. And uh, if you have a cool cocktail, send a picture in. Hashtag NOPC. Yes. Uh, and, and we'll put it on our website. And heck, we'll, we'll show it on the next show. Give Send us a recipe. Send us you know, something for a great cocktail. Or just tell us you know, what we missed. Because... Heck, we don't know all the drinks in town, and we don't have time to talk about all of them. But, you know, if there are other signature drinks that we may have missed, you know, let us know. I mean, there's and two signature drinks behind Josh. Josh, grab yeah. those bottles behind you real quick. There we go. Oh, his most prized possession. <laughs> uh, you know, signature alcohols for New Orleans. Can be black, can be green. <laughs> you can't have any. <laughs> so, but uh, that's it for this show. I want to thank Josh for coming by. Uh, we definitely will have Josh back because he's my favorite bartender, and we got a bar. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having us. And where can time. they find you, Josh? Give uh, me one more time. Napoleon House, and my, like I said, I moonlight downstairs sometimes. I'm typically usually upstairs bartending all the parties, but sometimes you'll catch me. Behind the bar downstairs. Tip him well. And you need a very white voice actor? (laughs) (laughs) Contact us. I'll get you in touch with Josh. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. This is NOPC, the New Orleans podcast. Thank you. Play good. You look good. Play good. You look good. Play good. And I'm extremely brutal honest with myself. And I got it's time for me to look myself in the mirror and for the mirror and for the mirror and Jeez Louise. Tough against the Rams. Newton keeps nowhere to go. Ball's out. Looks like Tampa Bay has it. Uh, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You look good. Play good. Uh, I, I haven't tasted a win in so long. And you look good. Play good.